Welcome to the Stainless Souls Podcast, brought to you by the Realization of Stainless Souls, a come-as-you-are church of recovery and discovery. Today is the real episode 12. All the hope you need is within you now. There's a lot of different definitions of probably hope and what you think hope might be and help and helplessness and what those things might be. And for us, we define hope as a expectation that something positive will happen in one's future. And sometimes we even say a reasonable expectation to believe that something positive is going to occur in one's future. That's hope. It's not a wish. It's not a desire. It is a characteristic. I have hope. And for many of us who have the afflictions of addiction, codependency, PTSD, suicidal ideation, and homelessness, we've lost hope. We have no hope. We have become hopeless. In other words, we no longer possess a reasonable expectation of a positive outcome in our future. And sometimes even worse, not only do we not have a reasonable expectation of something positive happening, but we expect something negative to happen. And when we become hopeless, things get pretty tricky for us and for the people around us. Because the environment, the culture, the habitat, the society that led to our hopelessness is the one that has to bring us out of it. So we may have decided in the midst of our suffering that the rules of the world are against us. And so I'm not going to be successful and therefore I've lost hope. Or I don't have the skills or the talents to do what I want in my life and therefore I can't achieve that which I want. And the traditional method of getting help from that perspective is through counseling or therapy or talking to friends or co-workers. And when we do, what we find is that that person wants to restore our confidence in something that we believe is broken. And for many of us, at the very best case, we might just end up where we started, trying to do something in a world whose rules are not fair or trying to do something that requires skills and talents that we don't possess. And that's borderline insanity in itself. I'm being restored to believing in something that I know factually through experience to not be true. That the world is fair, I don't think it is. Or that I have talent, I don't think I do. And once a person has arrived at that level of negativity in self and or world or both, it would be very difficult for self or for the world to restore that person to an optimistic person with a reasonable expectation of something positive happening in their future or restoring hope. So where then does one go? Where does a hopeless person go to restore hope, to become hopeful once more? And the answer for many of us, seems to be hidden in a place where we would never think to look, 
and therefore we would never find it. There's a story, a Middle Eastern story, that in, in the beginning, all the gods were talking about how they were going to prevent man from learning the secret of their divinity. And the gods got together and they had a council and they decided, well, let's, let's hide the secret at the bottom of the ocean. And all but one of the gods agreed. And the god who disagreed was the littlest god. And he said, I wouldn't hide it at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, man has our intelligence and access to universal intelligence. Eventually, they're going to figure out how to get to the bottom of the ocean and they'll find the secret. So I wouldn't hide it there. So all the other gods grumbled a little bit and they agreed with the littlest god and then they decided, well, let's, let's hide it on the highest mountain peak. And they all talked about it a little bit and decided that would be a good place. And then the littlest god again said, no, you know, man is going to be as smart as we are eventually. They'll figure out how to climb the highest mountain. And all the gods grumbled and decided, yeah, that's probably not a good idea either. And they were running out of ideas of where to hide the secret of man's divinity. And finally, they turned to the little god and they said, hey, uh, where would you hide the secret? I said, I'd hide the secret in a place where man would never look. Within man. Hide it inside of him. He'll never find it there. And so that's what they did. And this lesson or this talk today is going to be about simply that. The answer, the solution to all trouble is already possessed by you. And it resides within you. So to summarize the introduction to today's talk, we're dealing with afflictions that have resulted in hopelessness and helplessness. And it wasn't always that way for those of us who have the afflictions of addiction, codependency, PTSD, suicidal ideation, and homelessness. But something in our lives somewhere along the way went awry. And what we used to believe about the world or about ourselves, we now believe is no longer true. So we've lost confidence in ourselves and we've lost confidence in the world's ability to provide us with an opportunity to be successful. Further, we do not believe that the traditional means of restoring our hope or faith or confidence in ourselves or in the world can be gotten from the world or ourselves. In other words, a therapist who is under the delusion of the material world would not be able to restore us in that world to a status of hopefulness. And so we're looking for where do we turn to find hope? Where do we turn to become helpful instead of helpless? And if we can't turn to the world and we can't turn to ourselves, that narrows down the choices quite a bit. Maybe we have to turn to something beyond self or beyond the world. And we use a word like beyond, it's pretty simple to choose a higher self or a higher intelligence, a higher power, a universal power, a universal intelligence, an absolute 
power. And if that is going to be the source of our hope and help in the situation that we're in with these afflictions of addiction, codependency, PTSD, suicidal ideation, and homelessness, where do we look for it? And we just learned that the littlest God at the beginning convinced all of the elders to hide the secret within ourselves. And so that is the thesis of today's talk. Unfortunately, many of us come to believe through the trials and tribulations of our affliction or because of the way we were raised, the things we were taught about the world or ourselves or about religion or God, that in order to have something good in our lives, that we have to earn it. And if we don't earn it, we don't deserve it. And the word earn means to obtain something of value in exchange for services rendered, which implies directly you have to do something to get something of value. And then some of us who reach really high for something really big and grand in our lives, some big goal, we learn that in order to get something really big, not only you have to earn it, you have to sacrifice for it. And to sacrifice means to give up something important for the chance or opportunity for something else of value. But even after the sacrifice, there's no guarantee that you're going to get what you set out to get. So you may sacrifice, you may give something up, something that's important in your life in order to get something better or in order for the chance or the opportunity to get something better. And you may not get it. You may lose everything. But that's what we're taught. You know, you have to earn it. You have to sacrifice. And then typically, we're taught that sacrifice requires suffering. No pain, no gain. It has to hurt if we want to rise to the top. And we buy into these things. From the time we're young children growing up, we buy into these things that I have to earn it. I have to sacrifice. Sacrifice means I have to suffer. And I do those things, maybe once, maybe twice, maybe I'm still doing them. And we become frustrated because it seems that the rest of the world doesn't play by the rules that we were brought up by. I've worked hard to earn it. I've sacrificed. I've suffered. Now I deserve. I deserve what I set out to get. And if I don't get what I deserve... The world's not fair, or I was misled, or I was lied to, or it's a ripoff. And sometimes the first time this happens, sometimes it doesn't even take one of these situations to occur. Sometimes it takes a hundred times for it to occur. Eventually we get to the point where we become indifferent. And indifference and a couple of failures longer, we end up hopeless and helpless. In our obscene minds, we come to believe that the more we suffer, the more we sacrifice, the more opportunity we have to earn something really big, really grand, really wonderful. And then when we get into the spiritual side of our upbringing, it gets even more obscene because the same things were taught to us, many of us, not all of us, it depends on the tradition. But many of us believe that we have to do something to earn our way into heaven. 
We have to sacrifice if we want salvation. We're not supposed to have money and material objects if we want to go to heaven. Because it says right there in the book, you know, easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get to heaven. So either I'm going to be rich, which means I'm going to go to hell, or I'm going to be poor. I'm going to sacrifice so that I can go to heaven. And again, we set ourselves up for, in the long run of our lives, disappointment, discouragement, despair, in both the material side of the world, where we believe that in order to get somewhere, we have to sacrifice and suffer. And then in the afterlife, that if we didn't sacrifice and suffer spiritually while we were in this body, that we're going to sacrifice and suffer in eternity, burning in hell. And hopefully you can see that our society and our upbringing has put us in a very difficult place. We're teetering for most of our lives with happiness and unhappiness. And sometimes it seems like there's a polarity or a duality between our happiness in the material world and our happiness in the spiritual world. And they're never in sync. They're never synchronized so that we're happy in both at the same time. And we get toward the end of our lives and we wonder what we did wrong. And maybe the answer is we didn't do anything wrong. We just listened to the wrong people. And if that's a possibility, then maybe you can relieve yourself of the burden of thinking that happiness, bliss, and joy are beyond your reach in this lifetime. And I will attempt to convince you that as long as you are drawing breath into the body that you reside in, you have an opportunity to find happiness, joy, and bliss in this lifetime. And the funny thing is, you do not need to earn it You do not need to sacrifice. You do not need to suffer. Nor have you ever had to do anything in order to receive your birthright of eternal joy. The only thing you must do is realize that it's been within you the entire time the realization of stainless souls. It's not a work. It's not an effort. It's not a project. There's no list, no checklist of things that you have to do in order to find that which you've been looking for your whole life, which will assure you happiness, joy, and bliss for all eternity. You simply have to realize that it's been within you the whole time. When I looked up the definition for realize, it's become fully aware of something as a fact or to understand clearly. And that's really all you have to do to find happiness. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to consider this week, what is it that you're looking for? What is it that you want in light? How long have you been looking for it? How many times have you gotten something that you really wanted, achieved a goal, accomplished a milestone. And after it was done, you only found yourself still 
unfulfilled? What is it about life that continues to draw us forth to something that we don't know what it is? We put all of our effort into it. We get something out of it, and then we're unfulfilled. And some of us try again to get to the end and be unfulfilled. And we continue and continue and continue. What is it about life? What is it that would fill in the void that is calling us forth? If you've done it enough times, you'll eventually find, perhaps, that there is nothing in the physical world or the material world that can fill the void that you're seeking to fill. The error in the way you choose to live your life is not seeking happiness or contentment or joy. You're supposed to have those things. Those things are your birthright. But it's where you seek happiness, contentment, and joy from. Each of us is on a mission in life, and we feel that calling, that draw towards something that we just can't describe. Over and over, we try to fill that calling with stuff, only to find we're still wanting. In the New Testament, Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, then all these things will be given you. And in people that I work with and speak to, people that come up to me after services, we also share very similar experiences where we always said, once I have this, then I'll do that. Once I've got my security financially, then I'll start volunteering time with a church or tithing. And what we find is that the once we part is never completed. And we spend our entire life chasing and never being fulfilled. And the contrary teaching is find God first. And once you find God, you make him the center of your life, then all the rest of your life, all the things will be given to you. Most of us afflicted with the helplessness and hopelessness of addiction, codependency, PTSD, suicidal ideation, and homelessness are fed up, fed up with trying, fed up with failing, and we're giving up. And we may blame the world, we may blame ourselves, we may be victims, but usually in the back of our mind, in a very loud voice, we hear, no matter what I do, it doesn't work out the way. And you can fill in the blanks on your own. Because we all have those thoughts and those phrases in our minds. No matter what I do, it never works out. And in the process of falling, in the process of failing, in the process of becoming fed up, in the process of coming to a place of giving up, we've talked to people, friends, co-workers, therapists, and they give us cliches such as, This too shall pass. Hang in there. You'll get over it. It'll be all right. And sometimes, is there anything I can do? And to us, we take those offers for help or those pieces of advice politely. But for the most part, we've already decided that it's just not worth it. Or we've come to the realization that what they're offering is because they're still in the delusion And we've already decided the truth of the matter is the world is a broken place. It doesn't follow the rules. And I don't want to be a part of it anymore. Or I'm being punished for something that I did or something someone else did. 
I think that the idea of punishment from the universe or from a higher power is nonsense. And I would like you to think of it this way. Perhaps you are receiving a divine invitation from your higher power, himself or herself. And he or she is inviting you to join him or her in a place where there is no suffering. There is eternal joy, happiness, peace, and bliss. And usually when I say this to the afflicted people that we work with the first time, it's not received very well. And just a simple argument helps bring them along a little bit further. And the argument is this. If God gave you everything you wanted in the material world and continued to bestow upon you everything that you wanted, and of course you're in the world and of the world, so you don't know that it's God that's giving you these things, would you ever turn to him, desperately seeking his friendship, desperately seeking his love, his protection? Or would you be out enjoying yourself thoroughly with the many gifts and benefits of those gifts that he bestowed upon you? I think rare would the human being be who desperately sought God, who, who was receiving all material and physical gifts. I think it is much more likely that someone who is suffering from a tragedy or a trauma, who is down and out on their luck, ready to give up, that's the person who would desperately seek God, his friendship, his love, his protection. And so perhaps it is that in this lifetime, it is time for you to find God. And he is inviting you or she is inviting you to join him or her in eternal bliss. And the only way to get you to read the invitation is through some form of an affliction, some form of tragedy, some form of bad luck, where you're to a place where you have nowhere else to turn. It's God or nothing. And so you're open to answering this invitation from him. So ask yourself the question and answer it yourself. Would you be more likely to answer a divine invitation if you had everything in the material world and no suffering, or you had nothing and were suffering tremendously? And I think 99 out of 100 people would say, if I was suffering, I would be more likely to answer that invitation. And I think that all of us who listen to this talk and who are involved with stainless souls are receiving that divine invitation to join God. So perhaps your affliction is that invitation. And perhaps by opening it, reading it, and responding that you will attend, you will discover an opportunity to make an eternal friend. And in that friend's presence, find eternal bliss. Especially at the early days of an affliction, it's hard to say, hey, be grateful that you're suffering. But in the case of so many people, it's true. God is inviting you home. His arms are open. And he wants you to accept the invitation. And so how do you do that? How do you answer the invitation? Where do you accept God's invitation? And a lot of people are going to say, well, you got to go to church. you got to read the book. you got to take classes. You have to 
surrender this, you have to sacrifice that, you have to do all kinds of things, and none of those are true. Quite simply, quite succinctly, the way to answer God is in meditation. Sit quietly and allow His voice, which doesn't speak in words, to well up from that very center of your mind, the nucleus from which you emerge on a continuous basis. That place where you touch the infinite. Allow God's presence to well up within you through that place in the center of your mind. Don't resist it. Don't ignore it. Allow it quietly. You don't have to do anything. Just sit quietly and allow whatever he or she has to tell you to well up within you. And then make a habit of meeting God in that place, twice a day at least, where you shut off the material world, you shut off the physical world, you let go of your senses of sight, hearing, smell, taste, tactile touch, and emotion. And you allow the intuitive messages that come from the center of you to penetrate your mind. In that place you'll find that God is patient and kind and loving and he's always there. And the last tip that I'll give you for this week is go to that place without any ulterior motives. Especially early on it's difficult to not ask for things that we need or not expect to feel happy or to feel good or to receive many of the things that God has to give. But when we go into the relationship with those things as our priority, we're missing the point. We're missing the true gift. Instead, go in from the perspective of wanting a friend, wanting a best friend. And that if all you get is God's friendship, you'll be satisfied. And when you go in with devotion and love in your heart for your best friend, everything else follows. Don't lead off with, I need this and I need that. Don't lead off with, I'm sorry for this and I'm sorry for that. Just lead off with, God, I love you. And I just want to sit here with you quietly. Things will change for you. Things will get better because the bright, shining, eternal, infinite light of God will eliminate any of the darkness in your heart, in your mind, or in your soul. So this week's lesson is pretty simple. All the hope you need is within you now. And all the help you need is within you now. Realize this this week. In the meantime, don't ever forget that a part of you 